Hello and welcome to episode 8 of the Talk to Someone podcast, a show where you and I discuss the ins and outs of mental health. Over the past 3 weeks, we have been picking out one disorder and discussing it. On a similar note, this week's episode is dedicated to bipolar disorder. Now, if you have watched the Modern Love episode with Anne Hathaway in it, you probably have a rough idea of what this episode may include. Very often, depiction of illness in films and books are inaccurate because of multiple reasons. Hathaway's character interestingly does a good job of it. Before we get in the more technical zone of the disorder, I want to remind you that like any other mental disorder, bipolar disorder is treatable and manageable. There are three types of the disorder known as bipolar 1, bipolar 2 and cyclothymia. I also want to bring to your notice that maybe some of the terms that I use here are new and you may not understand what they mean, terms like mania, hypomania, etc. But as the episode progresses, as we spend more time together, I will explain each and every term to you. Now, there are three types, as I mentioned: bipolar one, bipolar two, and cyclothymia. So let's start with bipolar one. Bipolar one is defined by the existence of both manic and depressive episodes. The former existing for about a week with severe symptoms, and the latter lasting for about a fortnight. Sometimes the two states may coexist. Bipolar 2 is different in the sense that while the depressive episode is out and proud there are hypomanic episodes. Hypomania is a less severe form of mania. Cyclothymia is hypomanic as well as depressive symptoms lasting 2 years. For adolescents it may last up to 1 year for it to make it to the diagnostic criteria. However, and this is important to note the symptoms of cyclothymia do not meet diagnostic criteria for either depressive or hypomanic episodes like you've realized by now bipolar disorder is not as easy to understand or diagnose as other disorders simply because it is so diverse and may manifest itself in so many ways this is one of the reasons why doctors and healthcare workers have different ways of recognizing and treating the disorder I would like to discuss this in slightly more detail with you. If you remember when we were talking about case histories in both episode 6 and 7, we discussed how case histories may help your mental health professional with the prognosis. According to research, a large part of mental illness is genetic in nature. With respect to bipolar disorder specifically, between 80 to 90% of individuals with bipolar disorder have a relative with either bipolar or depression. 80 to 90% as you have noticed is a significant statistic other than that bipolar disorder also has comorbidities it may or may not exist with anxiety disorders substance use disorders and adhd that being said the risk of suicidal tendencies is also significantly higher among those diagnosed with bipolar 1 disorder as you can see this makes bipolar extremely tricky which just goes ahead to prove that your healthcare professional needs to be extremely thorough with your case history some of the questions during such an interaction can thus seem pervasive and may make you want to lie or hide the whole truth or get either aggressive or defensive i would strongly strongly suggest you check the existence of these feelings and recognize how much your honesty and transparency will benefit you If it does help however feel more than free to take someone else along for support or to answer uncomfortable questions if you trust this person give them information and let them interact with the staff instead of yourself if there is one thing i can assure you it is that you will not be judged or thought of as abnormal 
no therapist no mental health care professional believes in the word abnormal if your doctor or counselor or whatever you call them makes you feel abnormal or uncomfortable or shamed dump their ass we have spoken about the various types of dis- of this disorder and used words like mania hypomania depressive episodes but what the, what do they mean let's discuss this in slightly more detail okay i want you to imagine a wave so let's think of bipolar as a wave there are two parts of a wave a crest and a trough the crest forms when the wave is at its highest with so much momentum this high this excessive energy is what we can call mania the second part of a wave is a trough when the wave has crashed and washes over the shore at its lowest it is that what we call a depressive state now that you have a basic idea i think we should d- dig deeper mania could probably be a new term for some of us mania like the build up leading to a wave is essentially a state of up and up and up it is categorized by possessing more energy than usual or being noticeably high spirited or irritable constantly and noticeable changes in behavior some some examples of which could be a decreased need for sleep increased rate of speech uncontrollably racing thoughts distractibility etc symptoms of a manic episode are usually so severe that they cause dysfunction in one's life this could be towards say interpersonal relationships for instance or a job or prior commitments usually manic episodes require hospitalization due to their severity in order to keep the individual safe this is primarily because mania makes one engage in extremely risky behavior this could include but is not limited to le- reckless driving excessive spending hallucinating etc like i said in a, ma- a manic episode is a period of one week where the individual exhibits these symptoms in ha- and uh, hathaway's character if you remember she goes to buy groceries in a sequin jacket and loves life and thinks everyone around her is rejoicing she falls for a stranger and bedazzles him much like her jacket she is impressive she looks in control she looks attractive and she feels attractive most individuals do not visit a therapist or a counselor during a manic episode and you can probably have an educated guess why by now that's because mania makes you feel good it makes you feel almost invincible shopping sprees suddenly turn into excessive debt but it feels like everyone is dancing around you in the grocery store it does not make you feel like you need help at all which is why if you're a caregiver you need to be alert hypomania is a less severe form of mania symptoms here last between 3 to 4 days and don't cause as much dysfunction as manic episodes as the wave comes crashing onto the shore the onset of the depressive episode is noticed this needs to last 2 weeks for it to be diagnosed as a depressive episode symptoms for this need to include either intense sadness or loss of interest in activities once enjoyed other than one of these it may include at least 5 other symptoms some of these could look like um feelings of worthlessness or guilt or maybe fatigue or maybe changes in a sleep pattern maybe changes in appetite um restlessness or slowed speech or movement uh difficulty concentrating and frequent thoughts of death or suicide by now you know the basics of bipolar disorder 
you know, how it manifests, what it may look like, and who could be more at risk. Taking Hathaway's example again, do you remember the scene where the gorgeous Gary Carr comes to meet her? And right before he does, we watch her depressive state take over completely. She suddenly, she very suddenly looks drained and tired, pleading with her mind to not do this to her. Gary leaves from the door and never returns. It is one of those scenes that if you've ever been with the right person at the wrong time, hits very close to home. I remember face palming and thinking how much easier it would be if she could talk about it, both with herself and those in her life. And honestly, that is the most important thing about mental illness. It isolates. It feels lonely. It feels gut-wrenching. Until one day, she confides in her boss, Sylvia, played by the very, very talented Quincy Tyler Bernstein. While confiding, we watch her cry and exclaim how it feels like an elephant has lifted its foot from her chest. This scene made me cry and run to the kitchen to make hot chocolate. You know, it's it's difficult to talk about how things are. It feels like nobody will understand and that you are all alone. And that this is the first time that this has ever happened to anybody. I am so, so happy to tell you that you are not alone. We are 100% in this together. By talking about it, you have taken the first step to recovery and you are doing so well. That being said, it is now time to talk about the other stages of recovery. Let's discuss treatment for bipolar. Medication is the cornerstone of treatment for this disorder. Like we noticed, the manic and depressive states are all encompassing and take over regular functioning almost completely. Which means that in order to curb this imbalance, medicines are extremely helpful and extremely necessary. Sometimes they are paired with talk therapy or psychotherapy. Psychotherapy's main job in this situation is to help understand more about the illness and maintenance. Treatment for this disorder is individualized, meaning what works for one may not work for all. This is primarily why it is incredibly important to get proper help from a professional so you can identify what will work for you. I know that today's episode has been very, very information and text heavy, But I hope that you are by now able to recognize just how diverse and serious mental illness is. I truly hope this will, if nothing else, make you more empathetic in your approach to those having a hard time. I hope most of all that you will be as kind to yourself as you are to others. This brings us to caregiving. If you have not watched this episode of Modern Love, go watch. Not only does it focus on various types and stages of love, it also teaches so much about being supportive. For instance, I think Sylvia is a perfect friend. She exhibits perfect traits that a friend should. And the tips that I've given to you in these episodes, she literally embodies them. Tip one. Yeah, I know I'm repetitive. Please deal with it. Tip one, like always, is listening, be empathetic and don't judge. Nod actively and sit down with someone who opens up to you. Unless they pose eminent danger to themselves or others, maintain confidentiality. Tip 2. Ask how you can help. Try the suggestion slash listening approach. This is a very easy technique that will help you be a better listener or a caregiver. The next time that someone talks to you about what's bothering them, ask them how they want to carry this conversation forward. Ask them if they would like for you to actively listen and only listen or to listen and provide them with advice or solutions. 
this way you will give them the comfort they require and put them in control of the situation tip 3 encourage them to get treatment like we discussed bipolar disorder is best treated with medication but most people are apprehensive of medication remember medication is not an addictive method of sustenance the job of your healthcare provider is to taper you off them depending on your response if you can try and encourage your dear one to seek help and assure them you are with them tip 4 keep an eye out like i mentioned not everybody seeks treatment during a manic phase simply because it seems excited and the person seems in control the aim of this episode is to give you a basic idea for signs to look for and how to administer mental first aid tips for caregiving remain more or less similar as you may have noticed by now it is extremely important to not lose sight of who you are just like an infected person is more than their disease you too are more than your role of a provider if your role as a caregiver is tiring you out look for local support groups or consider therapy yourself what is most important is recognizing that we do not choose an illness and that we deserve to feel better take the first step talk to someone